Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Let me know this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Oh, let's magnify the Lord for He is good. He is worthy. I mean, oh, He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He is our peace. He is our joy. He's the lifter of our head. He's our ever-present help in the time of trouble. I mean, no, He does not age with time. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I'm the Lord and I change not. His mercies are renewed every morning. Every day the sun comes up, it's a new beginning. It's a brand new day. It's a brand new opportunity for somebody to be be healed, for somebody to be changed. I want you to shout, God is a God of second chances. Tell your neighbor he has not given up on you. Amen. Do you believe that today? Praise the name of the Lord. We're going to open the word of the Lord to the book of Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be teaching you today about the law of Christ. The law of Christ. I am burdened under the spirit of the Lord today. His presence has been with me all morning. He has been speaking to me. And I want to deliver to you what God has put in my spirit. Amen. Amen. I will set the tone today for what 2024 is going to look like. Amen. I do believe that God has a plan for this church. And God is going to do something in this end time revival. I do believe that hardened hearts that want nothing to do with God, that's going to change in 2024. I believe that people that walked away from the Lord that want nothing to do with the church, it seems like they're forever gone. God is going to turn that around. I wish somebody would shout amen. God gets the last word. And God knows how to get people's attention. The book of Galatians chapter 6, now now, I've learned that that when people get the Holy Ghost and there's a great harvest of people that come in, man, there'll, there'll, there'll be people saying, man, we're having revival. Just, just this weekend, I was preaching in Florida Youth Convention. There was a, in a ballroom of about a thousand young people there and a powerful move of God. Those young people began to respond to the word, respond to the altar. When it did, the presence of God came in that building and people from the hotel that were standing in that large hotel started gathering in the ballroom. Tears running down their faces. God began to heal them. They began to repent. Amen. They were filled with the Spirit. When I left on Friday night, they were baptizing those guests in the swimming pool of the hotel. Can you say amen? We would say that's revival, but that's not. That's the product of revival. Revival is when the church begins to do what the church was called to do. It's when we get back to where we're supposed to be. And I will preach to you and teach you the next two services, the the 10 a.m. first word and the 11. I'm going to teach you what I feel that God has called us to be and to do. It will be a strong word in both. 
but I ask you to bear with me and be willing to be revived and corrected. Can you say amen? Galatians 6 and 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, I mean, no, that can happen to people in the church. Good people can be overtaken in a fault or what another word for that would be sin. He said, ye which are spiritual, talking to the church, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. If someone is overtaken in sin, don't judge them, restore them. Spiritual people have meekness to restore. If someone fails, commits a sin, that's not something that should be talked about and gossiped about. It should be somebody going to prayer and reaching for them when the spirit of meekness and love, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Everybody say, myself. Verse 2, here it is. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I'd like to just teach you about the law of Christ. Would you lay your Bibles down and I want you to lift your heart with your hands and say, God, I want you to speak to me today. Oh God, I'm asking you to align me today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody says, Amen. God bless you. You can be, you can be seated. I, um, I want to talk about where we are in our generation. I, I understand that we are in the world but not of the world, but we are, we are naturally influenced by the culture and the generation we are raised in. How many know that's true? The food we eat is a product of the food that's been fixed around us. And You go to different countries and they don't cook like you do and they don't eat what you eat because they grow up eating certain things and this is the way it is. Generations before, they do things that we didn't do. And uh, we have we fall into a, a, a generation of acceptance and uh, uh, the way we operate, the way we think. We are a product of our generation. When you begin to see the, the, the law of Christ, he, Paul explains it here. He says, bear ye one another's burdens. Bear a burden to carry. He bore our grief. How many know that? You're carrying, you're bearing a burden. You're bearing something that belongs to somebody else. You're helping them carry their loan, their, 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 their load. He said, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? That is the law of Christ. It's to bear one another's burdens. And uh, so when I began to dig into this, where else does it talk about the law of Christ? You really can't find the law of Christ anywhere else in scripture except in Matthew 22 if you grab your Bibles and turn there the book of Matthew chapter 22 we're going to define what the law of Christ was the law of Christ Matthew 22 and 37 Matthew 22 and 37 it reads like this Jesus said unto him Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That's when they asked, who is, my, who is thy neighbor? And uh, 
his response was, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You, you can't live for God half-heartedly. You can't. Uh, and if you live for God half-heartedly, you end up out in the world. How many know that's true? Hence, you, you've got to do it with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. Then he says, Jesus teaches us, this is the first and great commandment. And he said, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. To love the Lord with all thy heart, all thy, thy soul, with all thy mind is the first and great commandment but it cannot go without the second commandment. Because the first commandment is vertical, the second commandment is horizontal. Right? So I'll go ahead and help you. You can't be forgiven without forgiving. And when they said, teach us to pray, he said, you pray this, our Father which art in heaven, let me skip a little bit. He said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Because your relationship with God will never be about just you and Him. It will always be Him and. Well, Pastor, God and I are good. I don't need the church. I don't need you. I don't need anybody else. We've got this thing going on. That's not biblical. Because we are members in particular. That would be like your hand saying to the foot, I don't need you. I'm good all by myself. It would be like the ear saying to the eye, I don't need you. I'm good all by myself. You have to understand that when God saved you, he saved you and joined you to his body. Everybody say, he joined you to me. We are connected one to another. I mean, know that when Lakin... When Lakin was four years old, I'll never forget that, that she came upstairs and she said, I fell. I've hurt my, I've hurt my arm and, uh, and my elbow, she said. I hurt my elbow. And, uh, and the next morning, she couldn't get her hand past her ear. And uh, when we touched her elbow, it hurt down her elbow, but she couldn't move this. We took her to the, uh, when she couldn't get it past here, realized something's wrong, we took her to the... Uh, hospital find out what it was and find out that she had broken her shoulder in her growth plate when we began to ask her what had happened she said well Bubby Bubby dropped me which was a guy that was like 6'3 and he had picked her up and while we were on vacation he had picked her up and when he went to throw in the air she wiggled out of his hands and she fell from here and when she fell she popped that shoulder and broke her shoulder in her growth plate and uh, truth of the matter is her elbow wasn't hurt. There was deferred pain that went down. Another part of her body was hurting when, a, when the issue was in the shoulder. How I many know it's true? That's right. Because, I mean, that's why they talk about your feet are connected to different parts of your body. How I many know through the nerves? And that's your, you, you, we've learned that through study. You're never just you. There is when a part of the body is hurt, there's another part of the body that responds or can feel that. How I many know it's true? Because the body's just not focused or connected here. You've got nerve endings and the blood flowing, everything is connected. The whole body is connected to each other. He said, We are the body of Christ. 
everybody is a member in particular. You might be a nose and not know it. I'm just teasing you. Everybody has a specific purpose in the body of Christ. You are needed. And for you to say, I am not needed, when you have been born again of the water and of the Spirit, and you say, they won't miss me if I do not go to church. I am not needed at the house of God. You're deceived. That's why the lonely disciple which was isolated, Judas Iscariot, became a betrayer. He got deceived to thinking he could do it by himself and separated. Can I say to you, we need one another. Every gift, every person is needed in the body. Can you say amen? We are needed. We are needed. I just want to say I'm so glad that God healed her because the, the x-ray showed the growth plate was broken it was, was fractured. She came to church. We had a powerful move of God. And, uh, and after service, Lakin said to me, she said, Jesus healed me tonight. I, I said, did he heal you tonight? She said, yes, he healed me tonight. She said, watch. She pulled her arm out of her sling and said, Shh. When she went back to the surgeon, it was totally fine because God's a healer. How I many know we need him to heal things in our body? I'm going to go ahead and tell somebody, you might have fallen and you might have been broken, but I know the master physician that can walk into your life and heal you. Amen. You were not able to focus. You were not able to move. You were not able to be used. But I'm going to tell you, God's not done with you. He's going to restore the brethren and the sisters in the church. Amen. There's a verse in the scripture that says that Eve would be saved through childbearing. Eve would be saved. Everybody say, Eve would be saved through childbearing. It's amazing because the, 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 I, taught it, I taught it a while back in the, in, in, with Eve. When you hear the word woman in the scripture, the word, word woman come from, comes from the word withman, and uh, the word withman comes from the word wife. God designed a woman to be a wife. There's all kinds of teaching and all kinds of people out there talking about being wanting to be single, but that's not what God designed a woman to be. Are there moments that women are single? Paul addressed it. He said, if you're a widow, a widow indeed, remain a widow. He said, I'll tell all the, uh, if you can remain single, remain single. But he got permission from the Lord to say that, but it was not God's desire. I mean, that's true. It gets quiet when I say that because people have a lot of opinions, but it was also the will of the Lord to be fruitful and multiply. Well, let's talk about that one today. Because culture says don't have children. And our culture has accepted not having children. Oh, I'm walking on eggshells right now, but I'm, I'm okay. I've been with the Lord. And uh, the reason we don't want to have a lot of children is because we don't want to be inconvenienced by their burden. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that abortion is so high because people don't want to take care of. They don't want to bear the other person's burden. So we don't want to have children because we want to live our life and do our thing. That was never God's design. The design was for man to meet woman, to, to, get, to, to be married and have children. I'm not going to tell you how many because it's not my place. But it was the design and plan of God to be married and have children. Can you, can you say amen? And uh, the Bible called it child bearing. Another word for it is labor. Everybody say labor. 
And we are living in a generation that is very self-centered. My life, my way, my career, what, what I want to do, and I don't want anybody messing with that. And when you talk, start talking about the law of Christ and bearing one another burden, it does not mix well in 2023 culture. Because 2023 culture is, is inward focused of what I want, what I want to be, what I want to do. My house, my car, my, my dreams, my vacation, where I go, what I do. But that was not the teaching of Christ. The teaching of Christ was the law of Christ is simple. And it is, you've got to love God with all your heart, all your mind. It's not a Sunday event. It's not something you do once a week. It's not just a product of a revival and a camp meeting. Oh no, it's what I do Monday through Sunday. I, I, I seek Him first. I seek His will. I seek what He wants for my life. I want His will above my will. I want His way above my way. His ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. That's the teaching of, of the Word of the Lord. I mean, no, that the Word, the living for God was never supposed to be convenient. But we are living in a convenient society. And we like, we like our food fast. We like fast food. How many know it? We like things done very, very quickly. And, and I will move on. But he said, Eve, you're, you're gonna be, you are going to be um, uh, saved through childbearing. Childbearing, bearing the burden of something else. From the time the baby is in the womb, it's... 100% dependent upon that mother. Even God, through the angels, spoke to Samson's mother and said, don't take it to vine because he's going to be a Nazarite. I've called him to be different than everybody else. Because what you do when the baby's in the womb will, will, will impact that child. I mean, know it. And the way she walks and cares and eats and, and uh, uh, we get upset when we find that somebody is pregnant. We find out they've been on drugs while the baby's in the womb and they were pregnant. I mean, what I'm talking about. Because what they put in the body gets into the baby. And I have been there. I've been in NIC units spending time with Jillian and different babies and talked to nurses and what happened and why and what's going on because the mother didn't care for the child while she was in the womb. That baby is totally dependent upon the care of the mother. Meaning the burden and the needs of the baby was 100% dependent upon the mother. Right. Can I say that God has unfulfilled prophecies that are in the womb of the church? And our life that we live as the bride of Christ, I believe that we are, we are pregnant with prophecy. I believe that there's things that God has put into the womb of the church today that have to be guarded. And what we put through our eyes and our ears what we put in our life and where we focus our attention can affect what, what God wants to do in us. I'm going to tell you from the heart today. I don't want to miss what God has for this church. I don't want to miss what God has for this hour. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be drunk with culture. I don't want to be drunk with what every the world is doing. I want to be consumed with the things that are holy and righteous. Everybody shout, God has a plan. Just for a moment, lift your hands and say, God, I want to guard. I want to guard what's put, Lord, into the womb of the church. The prophecies and the miracles and what you are. 
about to do. Somebody say amen. And so nine months, the child is in the womb, nourished and growing in the womb of the mother when it comes time for her to have the baby. Because, now, now listen, y- y'all cannot misread what I'm going to say next. Or every woman in the room is going to be mad at me. But we are living in a generation that does not want to deal with pain. Now, somebody asked me, Pastor, they would ask me, do you think I should get an epidural when I'm having a child? Absolutely. Go ahead. As I've heard women say to one another, you don't have to be anybody's hero. Get the epidural, don't have to deal with all that pain. Now, it's quiet in here because you're afraid to look left or right. You find out somebody had a baby, a lady had a baby without an epidural, and you're like, my goodness, how does she do that? It's natural. It's the normal way. I'm not here preaching against epidurals. But what I'm saying is, is that there is, a, there is a pain that happens in labor of giving birth to that child. And the Bible says in Isaiah 66 and 8, it tells us something powerful that when Zion travails, she brings forth children. But what, as an example is, I don't want to deal with the pain of that. So give me an epidural. You can still have the baby. You can have the baby without without the natural birth. You can have a baby even without the the pain of all of that. But I'm going to tell you, there's, there's sometimes danger with being numb too much. I called a doctor this morning just to verify that I was being accurate in what I was saying. I said, is it true that sometimes epidural medications are given too strong that the mother's not able to push? He said, absolutely, because sometimes the medication of an epidural has to be lessened so she can feel enough pain to know where to focus. And when she knows where to focus by the pain she feels when she pushes, it allows the baby to be born. I come with a strong word. If there's one thing I know about my generation and the people I'm preaching to, we do not want to deal with any pain. We don't want to deal with the pain of grief when someone dies. We don't want to deal with the pain of regret. We don't want to deal with any guilt, emotions, and pains that we must have to better and to heal. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We live in a generation that gets medicated instead of grieve. I'm not against medication. I'm a balanced preacher. But I'm going to tell you, there's some things you have to deal with. There's some things you have to press through. There's some things you have to push beyond. It's true. It's true. And uh, what I'm saying to you in the parallel of this is before God ever does anything, he will allow you to bear a burden for him. He will let you feel something that does not belong to you. And I'm going to share a little transparency. As your pastor, it is my responsibility to bear the burden of the people that I pastor. It is. God has called me, even beyond this church, to bear some of the burden of the generation that I am a part of. I will have sleepless nights and days of dealing with emotions. And I've learned over the years and moments that they don't belong to me. And I can get on the altar and say, God, somebody is feeling this way. 
Somebody's dealing with this. I don't know who they are. But I pray that God, you'll give them the strength to get through this trial. You'll give them, and I will call people sometimes and say, I've been praying. I have been praying and I feel a burden of what they're carrying. God never intended for you to carry all the burden alone. God will take what you're going through and share it with somebody else. That's right. And God will sometimes, if we're willing, wake up in the middle of the night, a lot of times between 3 and 4. And the reason 3 and 4, because the body is at rest. And God doesn't speak to busy minds or weary minds. But when you're at rest and you're a balanced person, God will wake you up and let you feel the heartbeat and let you feel the situation of what somebody else is going through. And we have a choice at that moment, either to get up or roll over and go back to sleep. Because God, God typically doesn't force anybody to pray. And my concern is when God is sharing the burden of somebody else. You know what we do? We go back to sleep. When God is sharing the burden of somebody else, I'm going to tell you what we do. We numb the burden through media. Y'all get what I'm saying? God can give you a burden for a city. God can give you a burden for a soul. God can give you a burden for a family member. God can give you a burden. He, he, he said it this way. He said, I look for somebody to stand in the gap. Somebody that would stand between heaven and the individual. Between heaven and the person. Between heaven and judgment. I look for somebody that would stand and intercede. Somebody that would get on their knees and begin to pray away from somebody. Something away from somebody, what they're dealing with. I look for somebody. He said, I can find no man. He said, I called and they didn't answer. I spoke to them, but they did not respond. Could I tell you today that the emotion, oh, somebody shout preach, pastor. The emotion of a call to prayer is loneliness. Loneliness and a call to prayer feel exactly the same. But in our generation, we've all got so many options that when we feel uncomfortable, we have things that we run to that can numb us right where we are. I'm going to tell you, one of the problems of 2023 and the generation is our world is too loud. How many know it's true? Our world is too loud. And he speaks in a still, small voice. I want you to take your hand and just put it on your heart. And say, the Spirit of the Lord will nudge us. He comes in to you and he knocks on your door. It says if you open the door, I've got some things I want to talk to you about. And what happens is because we're so focused on not dealing with what God is dealing with. We're so focused on not wanting to be burdened or troubled. Because every intercessor, we talk about how many are thankful for prayer warriors and intercessors in the church. Guess what? They're a little weird. They are. Because they pray about things that don't apply to them. They feel emotions that they don't deal with. That, that's not a part of their own life. They, they pray for people that they don't even know. They, they ask God to take away emotions from people. They, 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 they're, they're different. You know why? Because they become priests in the kingdom of God. They're different. They get burdened. They cry when everybody's laughing. They, they, when everybody else is going to the restaurants, they'll find a corner somewhere and weep and cry. You know what? Their prayers don't sound like everybody else's prayers. 
Every now and then when everybody else is shouting and rejoicing, you hear, oh, oh. You hear a groaning. You hear an agony in their prayer because they've been willing to take on a burden of something God trusted them with. And I say to young people, I say to the adults, our generation has got away from the agony of prayer. We have got away from the agony of bearing the burden. We want God for ourselves, but we don't want to tolerate what somebody else is dealing with and going through. And I've got a question for the anchor today. Do you have enough time in your schedule to bear the burden of what belongs to somebody else? Do you have time in your prayer to get along with God, to weep and cry for a child that does not belong to you, for a backslider that maybe you don't have a good relationship with because before God ever saves anybody, he will put the burden of that person on somebody that's willing to spend time with him and pray. Nobody has ever been saved that wasn't interceded for first. Not one person has ever been saved that somebody didn't get on their knees and begin to call in the name of the Lord for them. I come to preach to you today. We talk about wanting revival in 2024 or harvest in 2024, but it does not come without an altar of prayer. It does not come without the understanding of the law of Christ. It does not come without the willingness to be to bear the burden and the pain of what somebody else is going through. Oh, it's quiet and y'all make me nervous. Pastor, give us an epidural. We want a harvest. We want to see people born again. But we don't want to bear the, the pain of the process. Pastor... Help us, we want to feel good when we come to church. I'm going to tell you, if we always feel amazing at the house of God, we probably haven't been conflicted with the true word of the Lord. Amen. Every now and then God says, I need somebody to bear, I need somebody to bear the ark. I need somebody to bear the burden. I need somebody. Y'all uncomfortable because it's the holidays. But the truth of the matter is, there's a moment we got to push away from the table. We got to push away from the media. We got to push away from college sports. You got to push away from the things that you love. You got to turn the hobbies off and get along with God and say, Lord, I want to be somebody you can speak to and speak through. I want to be somebody that, that you can use. I want to be the one that you can wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, God. I want you to say, we are a generation that does not want to bear pain. Tylenol, Advil, aspirin, y'all with me? Ibuprofen, I'm not against medication, they're in my cabinet. The slightest headache, we don't want to deal with any pain. We don't want to deal with any pain, but I'm going to tell you, when you're talking about, how many want to be like Jesus? How many want to be like him? Let's go to the garden. Oh, God, not my will, but I'll be done. I appreciate every shouting service where we rejoice and we're shouting, we're rejoicing, we're victory, we feel it. But those, those do not come without the first of the garden of the burden. We appreciate Easter and the, we talk about Easter and the resurrection and, you know, all kinds of events talking about the story of Christ then. But could I, could I tell you, resurrection doesn't come without the garden. You want your children to be saved? You got you to be willing to get along with him. You want your family to be saved? You got to be willing to get alone with the Lord. I have seen people that were so, so, so burdened for their family. We call it bear you one another's burdens. So burdened for a loved one. 
They didn't eat for seven days. And at the end of the seven-day fast, there came that loved one right through the church and fell down on their knees because the Bible says there is a fast that will set the captive free. There's a fast. You know, when the economy gets hard and times get tough, you know what people do? They eat. Look at your neighbor say, that. that's me, amen. When you get stressed, you feed your flesh. You know, it's true. Yep, food industry flourishes during economic trials because we want something to make us feel good when we eat. And I'm enjoying it more in my 40s than I ever have in my life. Pastors, it's so heavy. I know, I know what I'm telling you is heavy. God starts moving on us and we eat extra. But sometimes God wants you to bear what's going on in your generation. We eat food and we eat media because it numbs the burden. Feeding our flesh pushes away what we have to deal with. That's why fasting and prayer was so important in the scripture because some things only come by prayer and fasting because it allows you to feel what you're supposed to be feeling. I can't tell you how many times that God has visited me in my house randomly during the day and oh, trouble and I go to the Lord. And within a week somebody will come to me and say, Pastor, this is how I feel. It was exactly how I have felt for the last several days. It had nothing to do with my life. It had nothing to do with what I was doing. What I was, but I was bearing somebody else's burden. I feel in this room today that there's going to be a great release in 2024. A release of apostolic demonstration like the apostles with miracles. There's going to be tremendous revival in the body of Christ. There's going to be a tremendous harvest that will follow. But it will not come without pain. It will not come without intercession. It will not come without time alone with God. We have to, in this building this morning, make our minds up. What are we going to do with the pain? What are we going to do with the burden? What are we going to do with the city that's, that's lost and needs God? What are you going to do? I'm, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm preaching to you today. Because I know what the Lord has laid on my heart. If you want to fulfill the law of Christ, you've got to be willing to take on something that does not belong to you. And say, I'm going to carry you. In the nature, in the narrative of Galatians 6, it was started this way. If your brother is overtaken in a fault, stop what you're doing. And if you're spiritual, restore. It's a, it's a stooping down. It's a, it's a stopping. It's a... It's, it's, it's a good Samaritan moment that you stop your journey and you realize I've got some oil and wine and this person needs what I'm having. And, and, and you, you reach for somebody that's been beaten and robbed and broken. And the Bible says he put him upon his own beast. He put him upon and he carried him to the end. And, it, and, and, and his blood's getting on me, his wound's getting on me. And I'm carrying him because I want him to be restored. You know what? 
it's inconvenient to carry your brother because you have to move a whole lot slower and sometimes stop from where you're going and take a pause on your plans and carry them to where God wants them to be. Hallelujah. I just want to know, is there anybody in the building that you say, God, I want you to visit me. I want somebody that's broken and beaten and left, that's been, that's been ignored and left for dead, God. If you'll put him in my spirit, I'll pray him through. If you put him in my spirit, I'll seek you for him. Oh, God, I'll lift him up and pray. Because I'm telling you what he's going to do. And I speak it prophetically this morning. He's going to visit some of you. He's going to call you on a fast. He's gonna, I drove through Etna just the other day. Brother and Sister Harris. And they planted a church there. It, it doesn't come without a burden. It doesn't come without sacrifice as you know. Selling everything you have to move up and plant a church. It's so powerful what you're doing. But I'm going to tell you it doesn't come without a burden. They don't come back. Without your life getting on pause. Say, you know what? Let's stop what we're doing and help a brother. And God will visit men and women. And put something in your spirit that you have to pause your plans. Say, I've got to go to prayer. I've got to get a hold of God for somebody. And I can't do that. I can't do it with a gluttonous diet. I can't do it with, with all the plans I've had for the week. I've got to put my hobbies and my plans on hold because somebody needs me to bear the burden with them. It's a coworker. It's a neighbor. Pastor, you seem too serious this morning. We can't be too serious about eternity. Do you believe, let me ask you, do you believe your prayers work? Do you believe that God hears you when you pray? If you believe it, shout amen. Then why don't we pray? Because culture has taught us to receive and not give. Culture has taught us just live your life, be blessed. Oh, go live the blessed life. Go have all this. It doesn't come without an altar. And yes, my life is blessed, but I got to take time to pour in what I, God has given me in abundance to pour into somebody that needs what I have. I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet with me today. I want you to tell the Lord, I'm going to bear the burden of my brother. I want you to say, God, I want to bear the burden of my brother. I'm going to bear the burden of my brother. Come on, I want you to begin to pray all over this building. God, I know you're not done with me. Hallelujah. Come on, it's going to be weary at moments. An agony in the garden. Time of prayer and weeping. On your knees with a handkerchief or tissues in your hand where you're weeping over a lost soul. I'm going to tell you, God's going to visit you, Anchor Church. He's going to give you an opportunity to bear the burden of his people. I wish somebody would lift up your voice right now and begin to call in the name of the Lord. To the Lord, I'm willing to be inconvenienced. I'm willing to stop what I'm doing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. How many want to fulfill the law of Christ? Would you lift your hands and say, God, I want to fulfill the law of Christ. I can't just be in it for me when I get on Sunday. 
I'm going to be a person of prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord is moving in this building. He's breaking through layers and shells in your life. And He's wanting to speak to you. Come on, for a moment before we dismiss, get our children to come back for family worship service. I think somebody reach out to God. Lord, I don't want to miss what you're doing. I don't want to miss what you're doing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. I'm asking everybody to stay for the 11 o'clock. I have a word, tailored word for this church. God's going to share with you today a burden for somebody else. Anybody ever experienced what I'm preaching about? How many want to be somebody that God can use? Their eternity is dependent upon your prayer. Their eternity is dependent upon your altar. I, 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 I know. I know how these services make us feel. But I'm going to tell you, God's wanting to do something very, very powerful among us. It does not come without sacrifice. It does not come without prayer. Do you believe that? Tell your neighbor, I need you to pray for me. Anybody feel what I feel right now? You know, I think it would be awesome if we turned this entire room into our prayer room right now. If we did, I know you've got to get your children. But I think it would be awesome if we found a place to pray and say, God, forgive us. We appreciate the holidays and family gatherings, but sometimes it can numb us from what you're wanting to do right now. I think all over the building it would be great if we found a place to pray, whether in the altar, at your seat, and humbled ourselves before the Lord. And said, God, I'm telling you, God's going to respond to your altar. God's going to respond to your prayer. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.